Yo, sick merch. Here's a button you think from us. So like, <laughs> <laughs> the journey will walk further than the man who Sheesh. enjoys the destination. Sheesh. Who was there? You know what I'm saying? saying? <laughs> $800 gone. Bomba What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Change of a Podcast. It is 11.53 p.m., a late episode for us. Um, a little bit of a change of plans because of scheduling, but we figured that it would be a good opportunity for us to record still. Um, if you're not familiar, my name is Jody. This is Justin. This is Evan. And we're the Change of a Podcast. A um, little bit of an introduction, I guess. For those who don't know, we've been training together in Delray Beach, Florida for the last couple of years. Started this podcast, started working on it in December of 2022. Then first episode was released, I think in April 23. So we've been doing this just over half a year now. Um, I feel like we've improved a lot, but um, we wouldn't be where we are without you guys. So before this video starts, we just want to show some appreciation to you guys. Say thank you for watching. We've seen all the comments, um, the positive ones and the negative ones. And um, yeah, we're just eager to learn and, and excited to continue to bring uh, more content to you guys. The f Sorry, go on. Now, the coolest thing to me is like when we are at tournaments and people come up to me randomly and yeah, they say they like the show or they, they love to watch or even the fact that people actually buy some of the hoodies or the shirts is like crazy to me. I mean, we haven't sold that many things, but... The fact that anybody cares enough to spend their hard-earned money on something that we made is, is pretty cool. So, yeah, thank you for watching and, I guess, uh, what would you call it? Contributing to our growth as a podcast business or yeah. whatever. So, yeah, and also, appreciate that. And also, thank you to Reese and Chris, too. The Reese and Chris are the guys who... Uh, at the very beginning, at least, controlled all of the, the editing and the social media and all that stuff. And after the first couple of months, we transitioned. As we learned more and we got more efficient, we started to handle more and more of the business. But still, Reese is who edits all our videos and that sort of stuff. And we wouldn't be where we are without them. These guys believed in our vision at the very beginning. I think we have proved to them that, that we're serious about it. Uh, we've been consistent. We tried to work hard to... We talk a lot about stuff behind the scenes and just try to get better and try to keep, like I said, keep consistent and keep a good product to you guys. So thanks to Chris and Reese also for supporting. Uh, the first topic today, um, I didn't talk to Evan and Justin about it. I just wrote it down. So Summit Nagal is now top 100. And last year he was outside the top 500 and, and admitted to the world that he was struggling financially. And today, actually, Justin and I and Shaq, one of our friends. We talked for a long time about the whole reason that we started the podcast. And it was partially for reasons like this, like partially for, you know, I'm sure some of you have seen the Instagram stuff of, of our episode in Notre Dame last year with Oscar. And we had a, this, like a debate about, you know, just how entertaining the whole, like the whole tennis professional circuit is. And it's my opinion that that there's a lot more entertaining tennis than just outside the top 100, than just inside the top 100, excuse me. 
and to me this shows it like you know he, last year he was 500 i'm sure he's improved from last year to this year but how is it that someone's struggling financially at 500 to support themselves on the pro tour and half a year to a year later he's top 100 you know so i, I think he also don't to be fair was before very good like he was before, he was yeah. top 200 or top yeah. 150 maybe higher and yeah. then he got hurt i think too yeah but even guys in the 200s are, are struggling you know yeah. and and that's the whole reason that you know and i i'm sure you guys are aware that there are other like tennis influencers or tennis content creators and we don't necessarily strive to be like them in in terms of the style of content that they create but we're learning more about the business and that was the discussion that justin and i and shaq had today is that we are going to make an effort to not not give our personality more to you guys but to try to share more about each other about evan about justin about myself because the way that these content creators are successful is because we believe that you you can see their personality like for example simon or Karu or um, Felix or any of these like I guess the the day in the life kind of content the train and the tennis videos that's something that we haven't really done and that's we're gonna make an effort in any way we can to let you guys know more about us um, because th to me these guys are proof that tennis is enjoyable at the at the lower levels too at not maybe I, I've said it before at some point it becomes not enjoyable but it's my opinion that it's it's more enjoyable, not just for the top 100, but as it goes down the line. So, What do you think that point is? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who it is to decide because I'm sure there... I mean, there's college tennis that people enjoy going and watching. And I don't know if we're talking UTRs and stuff. I, I don't know. That's It goes down to the 12, 11, 10s like down there and people still watch. And I'm, I'm aware that that's because of the emotional connection to these schools. But... Um, I just don't think that where the breaking point is in the top 100, 200, 300, where it is now, it can come down more, I believe. Um, and I guess the point I was making about these tennis content creators is that they market themselves so well that people buy into their journey and their process. So, so that's why I feel that this company can be important is because like our goal, I guess, was also to market our guests that come on and now we're learning a little bit more about the business and that maybe we should if we want to help other people if we want to help the guests that come on we also have to help like have to i guess help ourselves in a way you know because it, it wasn't necessarily our goal at the beginning to come on here and talk about each other and talk about ourselves necessarily but um we're learning that i think it's important to so that you guys understand a little bit more about us um i don't know if you listen to a bunch of people talk about forehands and you don't even know if we can hit the forehand, you know what I mean? So mm. uh, maybe we can share some more of our, our training videos, tennis videos, maybe matches every now and again, sprinkle it in. Because like I said, it's not it's not our motivation and not our goals to necessarily share that much of the tennis kind of stuff. But um, I think that that's what we'll make an effort to do. And also forward. anything you want to see on the channel, just drop a comment or send a DM or whatever. We'll be open to any suggestions and try to make it more enjoyable for you to watch yeah. as well. That's also partly why we went live tonight on Instagram. Um, I know it's late and we didn't have that many people in the live, but it was still fun to interact with a handful of people that came in and talked to us. And I mean, even if it's something as simple as that, every now and again, we go live on Instagram. Um, just and, and we have, like, like Justin said, 
if you have any ideas for us, for ways for us to connect to you guys, uh, let us know and we'll, we'll make an effort to do that. But make sure you like and subscribe and follow before you comment. Yeah, that's, yeah. Another, <laughs> that's another thing too, actually. Um, I think on YouTube, we have maybe 60 to 65% of the people who watch our videos are subscribed. So the other whatever 30 to 40 how much ever percent that is i'm not really sure are not subscribed and like i said we're learning about the business and we have to stress that that's very important to us liking the video is important to us and um subscribing to the channel and if you have people that you believe that would enjoy the the content you share with them um it helps us as a business be able to run so that's and like kuba he said tonight in the live he said Yo, sick merch. He hasn't bought anything from us. So like, <laughs> yeah, how sick is the merch then if you don't yeah. buy that? Yeah, that's actually, that's actually true. That is a, a good way to support us. You know, I was, we were talking also yesterday about the business and we were thinking like, how cool would it be if in the future our podcast can have, can offer our audience discounts in every area of tennis? So like, I don't know, let's say down the line we get successful and we have an audience and we're able to approach companies. So if you want to buy a stringing machine, you can buy a pro stringer. If you want to buy shoes, you can go to Tennis Warehouse with our affiliate link. If you want to buy rackets, you can go to Wilson with all. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, That's something that I feel like we can work towards because it will help, obviously, it will help the audience watching. It will also help us. It's an easy way to support us. Everybody wins. So that's also something that we aim to do uh, once we get our audience to numbers that would actually be beneficial to the businesses that we should approach so so yeah that is an introduction to the episode welcome uh <laughs> long ass introduction <laughs> hey guys quick break justin there from the changeover I'm gonna talk about pro stringer it's a great machine that i use jody uses and a lot of other pros use as well you can use it at home on the road really anywhere to the tabletop surface. It takes me about 25-30 minutes to string a racket on this machine. It is easy to travel with, fits in carry-on, suitcase, tennis bag, no issues at TSA. It's a big money saver and you can save even more when you use our code CHANGEOVER to get $100 off the machine. Back to the episode. Uh, next thing is an update on tennis. So, uh, Justin, I guess you can start. Uh, where you are at with, in the season, that sort of stuff. Update. Uh, yeah, season started very poorly for me. <laughs> Played three tournaments, lost first round, three matches. Uh, first tournament, uh, yeah, tough loss. Did not play very well. I think I had, I expected quite a bit for myself this year. I felt like I had a good offseason. I was playing playing very well. And yeah, was playing at Cornell, played a guy on the team there who yeah, to his credit he was playing he was playing well, but I think I I don't know man, I was I think I was trying to do too much and play too well. And yeah, I just never really found my stride in that much. And then the week after ended up in where Wesley Chapel, outdoor hard a little bit better for my, I guess my game style, uh, slower court, good conditions. But I was playing uh, Henrik Weirsholm, 
Started the match down 6-1-4 love, True. I want to say. True. <laughs> Happens. Uh, yeah, I thought I had a good week of training before that. Uh, yeah, like I said, 6-1-4-0 down, two breaks. Ended up getting a set to a tie break. Started actually playing very well in the second, I thought. Lost the tie break there, but yeah, that felt like a step in the right direction. But still, not the best start to the year. Like starting the year 0 and 2, and then I don't know, just not feeling great about the results. But the tennis I thought was starting to get better, and I had kind of hoped that that would continue to the next tournament. So I went to Cleveland Challenger and played a local guy there, and yeah, did not play well. Like lost, I was thinking straight sets, five and two maybe. Um, yeah, just did not perform well. I think I think I had expected myself to play a lot better than I was playing. I think I still competed hard, but I was yeah, just struggling to I guess find form near to the way I was training. And yeah, but it was okay. I I think I spoke to Beggy afterwards and we were talking kinda of about how I'm gonna have to approach tournaments maybe in a little bit of a different way. Um, not be so strict with my, let's say, my goals and and those kind of things. Maybe kind of just focus on my identity, how I want to play, and kind of be in a state that's more productive for me than being, let's say, so, I don't know, what's the word, maybe harsh or like intense. Maybe I'm better when I'm having a little more fun, a little more loose, a little bit calmer. Don't be so uptight. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But do you think do you think the issue because you've said a few times is you're expecting to do to do better, to be better and stuff. Do you think there's a way because obviously there's a negative side to expectations. You know, if if you have expectations and you start to I don't know, don't play to the level that you would hope, then it can be a big letdown for you like you know, people always talk about expectations being bad. Do you think there's also a benefit to expectations? Yeah, I mean, you would, like, you would think, like, how many talks we've had on this on this couch here with players who talked about expectations and, like, like Renata or Ethan Quinn sat here and said the same thing about expectations. And But sometimes you get into, like, your own world with your tennis. Like, you, you have these dreams or these ideas about what the year could be. And, like, there's things, let's say, on the line. Like, there's a dream for me to play the Olympics. There's a dream to play in slums. Like, I would like to do those things this year. I would like to get to those those things. And then also you see people in your, let's say, your circles doing those things. Like, like Blaze is doing very well. Friend of mine, happy for him. But I kind of want that success for myself as well. So, like, you feel like there's a bit of a clock on it. And I think the last few years for me with the injuries and the inconsistent like ability to play, I felt like that's been behind me. I feel like the last six months I've been healthy. And then the end of the year, I was like playing pretty well. And then I was healthy. I had a good offseason. I felt like I could just take the year and go. So, yeah, I don't know. And maybe that part of it is not good for me. Maybe I'm the kind of person who needs to... Kind of, because I've noticed in my life sometimes where, like, I, when the worst thing happens, I'm able to then 
make something good out of that. And like, but it's because whatever you thought could happen is already gone. So then you just kind of hold on to things that you actually can't control. You don't do it on purpose. It's not like you're going to these matches and you're thinking, I have to win, I have to win, I have to win. But like, there's like, uh, I don't know if it's in the subconscious or whatever, but like, you just, there's an urgency there that maybe isn't good for me. Yeah. That, so can it be good? I don't, I can't really recall a time where I felt like I had to perform that I think that I did or at least did consistently. I can think of more times where... Like your back was against it, something you had a let down. Yeah, like I had already failed and then I just tried to do, let's say the next right thing and just like have a, let's say a certain more attitude of more freedom or whatever and I've done well that way or... But like I... I can't say that the expectation can be a good thing for me. I don't know. But also I've, I would imagine that like people like Djokovic, like they expect to win. Like, so I don't know. I don't, I guess maybe it can be where you are in your development or like if I don't really know the answer yeah. f- to tell you, to be honest, but I just feel like for me, it's comfort in a sense that there's only one way the season can go now. Really, like I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't. It's funny, bro. It's not funny. No, it is funny because like I can't, I can't really play worse than I've played. But to if start you the year. if you look at it on the other side too, it's like, it's like when Ethan Quinn was talking about at the end of last season, he was hoping to do really well. He was one match away from getting the Aussie wildcard. He didn't. Then he went to Portugal and he was resenting that he was in Portugal. He's playing challenges at Portugal at 300 in the world with no points to defend for months. But he didn't allow himself to compete because he wanted to be in Australia, mm-hmm. you know? And the way I see that, like, for you, is like, okay, before you had all these health issues, like, with injuries and that sort of stuff, that's hopefully all behind you. Like, besides this little, like, minor thing now, but it's all behind you. Oh, yeah, and I picked up... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so, after Cleveland, I was supposed to play Palm Coast uh, was it Sunrise, Sunrise Palm, Palm Coast, Coast and Naples and yeah training week before training week before um, Sunrise couldn't hold my racket uh, apparently I have a cyst on a tendon under a callus so we thought <laughs> at first oh the old cyst on a tendon <laughs> under the callus so huh? at first we thought it was a, um, a blister or something and so after four or five days, it still was hurting. So I ended up going to a doctor. He said it was a, probably a cyst on a tendon. So he tried to pop it with an he tried to pop it with the needle and then gave me like an injection to like speed the recovery. And it didn't really get that much better through the weekend. It feels better, but I tried to let's say hit today, and if I squeeze the racket, it gave me sharp pain still. So that was a no go. Uh, so I'm gonna go back to them tomorrow and try to figure out if it's just more rest or what to do. But, but yeah, sorry, I cut you off there. <laughs> no, I was saying, because I don't, I don't anticipate that this is going to be carrying on for much longer. Yeah. It sounds like the doctor was, it's a short thing, you know. But I was saying that hopefully all these long injuries are behind you. And now you have a, like, new problem, you know. Like, the problem before was the injuries. You need to solve the injuries and be healthy and when you get back, you don't know how well you're going to be playing because you've been out of the game. And all you've been playing, you've been training, you know you've been training well. It's just a new problem now. And then whenever you get through this problem, 
there's going to be another problem down mm. the line in two months, in a month, in a week, or whatever, you know, like things can move very quickly, yeah. you know, and, and it's not, it's not like, I don't think, not that I've been extremely successful in my career or anything, but like, I believe that you don't go in thinking like, oh, it can change really quickly. It's going to change really quickly because it may not change really quickly, you know, because all you can, all you need to think about is this match. You know, you I mean, the reality is, is you never know. Match. Yeah. When it's going to happen. Like, exactly. So, like, the expectations to me is, like, completely out the window, in my opinion. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. At this stage, and you have yeah. a new problem. Like, your problem now is to understand this is what's happened to me in the last couple of matches. Um, as soon as I solve this, or I learn how to combat this issue, there's going to be another issue that comes, and that's going to be the next problem. You know, like, you're just going to get better problems as you get better, as you improve. Before... This is a better problem to have than being injured. No, no, because at you least I mean? can play. Yeah, yeah. Correct. So. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just the thing is that it's, it's just that we don't live in a vacuum. So it's like, if you know what I mean, it's like, it's one thing to understand the theory of no expectations, but it's another thing yeah. that three years have passed. I'm 27 now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, how old are you? Yeah. Um, like, like there are things that play on you, and I have to learn to deal with those things, and to deal with them or just accept them and just kind of, you know. But I'm, I'm, I'm trying, and it's, it's like. A, <laughs> The thing is that I feel good about is that I know that my level has been good. Like, if I look at the end of last year, players that I lost to very close, for example, like, I don't know, Gonzalo Bueno, like, he won a challenge at the beginning of this year. Or, like, players that I think I play similar to, Blaze won challenge this year. Like, I feel like I'm playing better than I played three years ago when I won a future. Like, I'm a better, I hit the ball better, I do everything better, but I think I have to kind of I think it's the how I have to show up as a competitor has to be better yeah. or different. And I have to, yeah, kind of go with the flow a little better because I feel like I think the stress of the things that I want to accomplish get in my way. You know what I mean? So I think I have to just <laughs> cool out. I have to cool out. Like yeah, sure. off the court, on the court, just, I don't know. At least you know. Yeah, least, you know that's the good thing. You know, it's not like you're sitting here and you're like confused. Why is this happening? Like you. Know no, no, no. And I felt also, to be fair to myself as well, I started the year on a hard, kind of fast indoors. Not the best thing for me. I didn't the want to be the one to say it. The <laughs> week after was more for me, and I actually started to play well. And then I went back like faster indoors. Not great. And then the next and I, week was play. The next week, the next three weeks, these three weeks actually I think would have been good for me. I started the week, the day after Cleveland, I came back when my hands started to hurt me bad. I was actually playing a set on the clay and I felt so comfortable. Like I felt like a lot of the things about hard courts, the fast hard courts that made me feel uneasy, they don't really exist on clay. So I felt good about how I was playing more so than on the hard courts. But um, yeah, dog, you have to just... Life is still good. Like, I'm, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm not over here, like, <laughs> crying myself to sleep every night. You know yeah, what I mean? Sorry. Like, it's, it's also February, what, 10th yeah, or whatever. Like, the year can still end up being the best year of my life. Like, it's, but 
if you ask me my update of my that's expectations today, too saying something like that you know it's like i'm not just saying it could be yeah but it could also be the it worst be, exactly i'm saying yeah i don't like i'm saying uh-huh. that we're a month into the year you have no idea what's to come uh-huh. that's the point i'm making i'm not saying that you know it's what i learned recently great. there's also bad expectations like i was talking to chris and i don't believe when i go into matches i've had good expectations but there have been times where i've had bad ones and i didn't know i didn't realize that i was having them until like we were having a talk with beggy about expectations and stuff what do you mean by that like <laughs> what do you mean by that like Expe- if, expecting to lose or expecting like if you make a certain type of error certain certain type of error now you're exposed and you're expecting now them to do this and you're expecting yourself to have an issue with what they're about to do and now you expect the match to be tougher than it was before you know i can say i don't have that yeah well i i've learned that i had that recently and it's like that's also something i need to wipe away and that's also part of what i was working on in the i can relate more to like maybe you haven't been closing matches out or you've lost a few matches in a certain way in that scenario that's a bad expectation too. yeah that's what i'm yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> and you get to that point in a match, and then you have like a, a feeling comes over you, like not again, not again, or you don't want it to happen again, and then you become, let's say, stressed about that. So I can relate to that more than like something happening and feeling exposed or something. But but the point I was trying to make is that it's very early in the year. I've played three tournaments, and it's okay. Like anything can happen from. March, February, March until December. Like I mean, Valentine's Day in a couple days, anything can happen. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. You got some Valentine's Day, <laughs> though. What's, what's your year been like? My year. Yeah, you've had a year, no? I've had a month. Um, I'm not gonna go as in depth as Justin. I don't think, but uh, I played two tournaments, two challengers at Indian Wells, which was nice. I didn't do as well as I wanted to, but. It was nice being in California. I love California. Yeah. Um, Tournaments were nice. Obviously, Indian Wells is ridiculous. Um, But, yeah. They didn't go as I expected. (laughs) Um, These men never learn. But we be working. um, Just trying to enjoy tennis more, I think, in general. And the process. Because what they say, the man who enjoys the the journey will walk further than the man who Sheesh. enjoys the destination. Sheesh. Who was there? You know what I'm saying? saying? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so just trying to enjoy it more. Trying to improve, improve myself as a person and as a tennis player. Um, but second week, I did get hurt a little bit. Hurt my knee. A little bit. Yeah. I wasted $800. <laughs> How about so, we tell yeah. that story? <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted him. We'll tell that story Yeah, eventually. we'll tell it after. Um, but yeah, I just slipped on a wet spot uh, in the back of the court <laughs> in the shadow uh, just in, in practice in between the first and second week. Um, Why are you hitting on wet courts, bro? It was just wet. In the, everyone else was hitting. It was just a little <laughs> wet in the back. It was in the shadow. I didn't even like... See it. Yeah. I was backed up in the point. Um, (laughs) (laughs) you know the lefty Ishai was pinning me on my backhand side and yeah he went back behind me and I slipped fell 
from my knee a little bit. So it delayed That's some plans. That's when being athletic goes wrong. You should have yeah. just let it go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> should have just not tried. <laughs> this is what <laughs> trying does. It gets you hurt. No, just kidding. Um, yeah, me and Jody were supposed to go to Egypt, play some futures. But um, that was... Get your money back? Or delayed. No. He has a chance, but not me. Why not? My credit card company, I guess, doesn't mess with that. I'm going to switch to Jody's. What card do you have? Hey, let's, that's not important. <laughs> <laughs> I have to come to Chase. Well, actually, I don't know yet. Maybe you don't come to Chase. I don't know if I'm going to get my money back. But what happened was we booked the flights. Evan and I booked the flights. Mm-hmm. So Evan fell, got hurt, but he still played a match the next day. Yeah. So he was like, if I could play a match, then maybe it's not that bad. But then I guess it got worse. Like over the next couple of days, it was like, so whatever. Saw the doctor. Before we got the doctor's results, we had already booked the flights. And then last week, Thursday, out of nowhere, uh, this is how my day went. It's like, got the results from Evan's thing. Okay, we're no longer going to Egypt. And then I turn on my laptop. Then my laptop just blacks out. So $800 gone, and my laptop's not working. So I'm like, out of nowhere, it's like my little like life kind of stops. Like, I don't know where I'm going in tennis, and the laptop's broken. No podcast is happening. Uh, $800 gone. Bomba class. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, now I file a claim trying to get that money back. But then I had to scramble from Friday till Monday messaging people to try and play Sunrise, which I ended up playing. Found someone at lunchtime. Signing ends at 2 o'clock. I had found someone at lunchtime, played, and we won a round, lost in the second round. So at least I got to play a tournament, but uh, $800 <laughs> is gone out of my account. Not yet. Would you Don't make that so week? Negative. Would you make winning a round of those? $80. <laughs> one round at a, what was it, 15K yeah. of doubles is $80. I'm not good enough to play challenges. It's like 120 that. but minus the entry fee. Okay. I think doubles entry fee is less. Okay. I think. There's entry fee for doubles? I think so. I'm not sure. I didn't look at the paper. Like when it's that small. You know, I think I was supposed to make seventy six dollars and the tournament director gave me eighty and I was like bad for you. Well, I have a funny story actually about Sunrise. So my first year playing Sunrise, like twenty eighteen or something, uh I didn't own a car back then. So I used to live in Florida before I went to college. So my old coach housed me for three weeks i played like western sunrise and there was another one i think maybe maybe it was two weeks we said jody i have a car here you can use my car so like an old toyota or old lexus or something like an old car i think it's a toyota up in the caribbean when you pull up to a gas station you just give the the person money say a hundred dollars or fifty dollars or fill it up whatever so you don't actually pump the gas so so I'm driving this car for a couple of days. It goes to E. So I pull into the gas station, um, swipe the card or whatever, and I take out the nozzle and I put it to the gas tank, you know? Mm-hmm. And the the thing I'm holding is like this big and the hole is like small. So I think that because the car is so old that the friggin' the pump doesn't fit in the thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm like holding it to the hole I'm like squeezing it very slowly <laughs> and it's like dripping out, right? <laughs> you know what? Do you know where I'm going with this or no? No. This is amazing. Okay, so I'm doing this, I swear, for like 15 minutes and I've only gotten out like $4 worth of gas. <laughs> and it's like half of it is dripping on the floor. I'm just doing it there. Bro, 
I was doing the fucking diesel. That pop. wasn't gas, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> it, was diesel. <laughs> it was diesel. And I was like on my knee, like on one knee, just holding it, like doing the thing. Before a guy like looked at me, I was like, yo. Nobody said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> guy was like, yo, that's diesel, bro. And then now I'm at, I'm instant panic because I'm like, yo, I put $5 worth of diesel in The car's going to blow up. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I called my dad. Dad told me to buy like I don't even know what fluid it was from inside the gas station, so I just bought it and then I filled up the car with gas and then yeah it was fine like the car ran fine. But I was like there for fifteen minutes pumping gas like silly. <laughs> you ever see nobody else doing that? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, horrible. But yeah, we learned. Now I know how to fill gas up like an adult. And how's your year going? My year is going okay. Uh, besides the uncertainty, like there was. I thought I did really well, like, training. And even the, the tournament I played, like, I played Wesley Chapel. We had a couple of match points, lost. Josh and I lost in the first round of Wesley Chapel with some match points. I thought I played a good match. Um, didn't close calm enough, but I wouldn't describe it as poor. Like, the our opponents hit on match point. Good return and an ace on all two match points, so... Maybe some of the points in between, I could have done a little bit better. But then I trained well the next week, played Sunrise after the stressful like couple of days of uncertainty, not knowing if I'm going to play. Didn't want to play on clay. Won a round, lost second round. Um, felt like I learned from the match that we lost. And yeah, this is... So now I go tomorrow to Palm Coast to play with Felix, and then I'll play Western. So... Yeah, I feel like I'm playing pretty well. Western. Um, sorry, not Western. Naples. My mm. fault. It's late. It's midnight. Um, it's time to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm feeling good. No expectations, though. I was actually very nervous before first round this week. Like, last week, I don't think I was nervous at all. Like, I slept fine. Like, wasn't thinking anything. But this last week... Last week, as in... As in Wesley Chapel, I mean. Good. Sorry. Wesley Chapel, I wasn't nervous. First tournament, yeah, I wasn't nervous. And then, I think... First term of the year, you weren't nervous? No. Like You were nervous second term of the week? Yeah, year? because I... In preseason, I didn't play that many sets. So mm. I didn't know how it was going to be. And I kind of just accepted that whatever happens, happens. So I wasn't really nervous at all. I was just like, I'm just going to play free and that's what's going to be. If I win, I win. I lose, I lose. And that was the mentality until I got to a set and 5-2. 5-2, No, it was a set and 5-2, and I missed the return at 5-2. And then they end up holding, and then I double to start 5-3, serving for the, for the match, I double. But then we go 30-15, um, and I think we get broken from 30-15 on my serve. And then that's when it became heavy. Yeah. <laughs> at that point, it became heavy, but... But I mean, overall, it was it was fine. Like it was good, good match. I was playing well, like very well for I'll say a set and three quarters. So and then I played, I'll say I played decently well. First round of Sunrise. Sunrise was different because I played one of the guys that I lost to, and I felt like it was a good opportunity for me to I don't know show that I learned from the match before, you know. And I was anxious to get out there and play, so. That's kind of how it felt. Like in Wesley Chapel, I wasn't really anxious. I was just like, 
if I play on Tuesday, if I play on Wednesday, if I play first on last on, I don't care. Like I'll just do whatever. But in Sunrise, I was eager to play. Like, I wanted to go out there and play, and yeah. So I slept great this, the the night after we won the match. Like mm. I felt like the win didn't do that much for me in terms of rankings because I moved up like ten spots from like four ninety five, like four eighty five or something. But like psychologically, I think for me it did a lot. Like to win a match early in the year feels nice. Like I'm sure they're. Their guys who are still struggling for wins. It's a month, a month in. Like, to me, it's it's good psychologically. I just say on the podcast, bro. This man poking at me already. So I win a match yet? Oh no, sorry. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that at all. No, I'm I'm also grateful. But um, um, do you think do you ever do you ever play really well when you're ne- not nervous at all? Do you ever play really well when you're not nervous at all? Like before a match, if you're if you feel no nerves, do you perform well? I don't know because I, I try to separate like there have been times where I warm up unbelievable and play horrible. You know, and I think that's because of expectations. So I try to like doesn't matter how you warm up, in my opinion. Like I don't know. Maybe if you warm up like absolute terribly, then maybe you take some of that into the match and you're like you but maybe then that motivates you. Maybe like I have nothing today. So I'm just gonna go out there and fight like a dog, and it's gonna make a difference, you know. Like, I'm gonna win because I fight, but that's I don't think it's, I don't think it relates that much. So that's why when I warm up, I don't try to like get but better, I, get sharp. But I think I'm stuff. nervous for every match. I think I can. Think me- I remember one amount. match that I wasn't nervous was I think I won as maybe my sophomore year in college in December. I drove up from Tampa to Tallahassee to play. Uh, indoor 15k whatever and i didn't want to be there like i played because i felt like i was supposed to and i was exhausted from the fall whatever and i wasn't nervous but it was because i didn't want to play yeah and i played horrible because i kind of i didn't tank but i didn't want to win yeah that makes any sense it was weird but other than that i feel like even if i'm very relaxed the whole time up until the match right before you start the it comes like there's like a whatever that is butterflies nerves whatever I feel like that usually comes at some point for me I don't think I step onto the court with anyone and never feel nothing yeah I mean I'm sure in, when I described in the Wesley Chapel match that I wasn't nervous I'm sure there must have been some nerves I don't know if I felt it like maybe you watching me you can see that I'm not the same as I was like in practice or something but I don't know if it like I don't know if I felt it and affected me like it's not the same as the getting moment. up to go open the fridge and get water. You f- like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, I didn't feel it. Like, I know there was a seriousness there to some extent. But maybe from the outside looking in, you can probably see. I, I'm, I don't know. You were there. Like, you saw at the beginning. Like, I don't know if you noticed anything. Like, I don't know if your I'm question... Sure my heart is, your question isn't, like, debilitating nerves. It's just, like, do you feel... I just asked because you ever... Um, hear or see about this one graph. I don't know what's called the pressure something curve. Looks basically just like a like an N. You just be reading graphs in your free time, or what? Yeah, I'm a big graph guy. Um, <laughs> and then basically, and basically the what is it? The X axis is pressure, and the Y axis is performance. And then so obviously at the start, there's you feel no nervousness at all, and at the at the end, it's your most nervous. Um, and obviously when you go up, you perform better, but 
as at the beginning of the the graph it's low like if you're not nervous at all you weren't you won't perform your best and there's like a sweet spot of nervousness that where you will be at your best be at your sharpest be at your whatever but then it starts to drop again if you're if you're more nervous than like that. A so yeah upside down you mm. um so i was just wondering if you guys think that's true or I not see that. I, that's think I think that's true applicable. To that. yeah i, think I remember true. like under 14s um under 14s like basically like davis cup the world junior tennis thing in the caribbean we were gonna play against the dominican republic and i was gonna play juan bisono he's like it was like me and him were like the best two under 14 in the Caribbean at the time. And I remember being super nervous for this match. But then when the match started, it was just like, it went quiet. And I just went and I I think I was like in the zone for like a set and a half. I think I ended up losing this match, but for like a set, I think I was upset and three love. But that set and three love happened, like everything was perfect. So I think the nerves is actually a good thing. If if you don't let it like over, overwhelm you. Yeah. I think if you can use it in a good way, I don't know how I did that time, but that is a, I think that's a real thing. You yeah. still remember back how you felt before matches that young? But What's that was like a particularly, a particularly important match. Yeah. Cause it was like the final of that tournament. And then we ended up going to like the qualifying. We played USA, Canada, Mexico, which is like a big deal yeah. for, for us. But yeah. I don't remember every match, but that match I remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, if I think back under 14s, even, like, big matches, important matches, I, I can't have, even, like... I didn't have big matches. <laughs> Justin beat me under 14s, 1-0, or 12s. True. But I feel like... But I have had other experiences, too. For example, I played in the Hiddick final under 14s. I played Peter Bertrand, and I was so nervous for this match, but... I didn't. I don't think I played well this match. I think I I won that match, but the nerves was like a lot. Like I felt like anxious, like sick. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think I probably I went too far in the nervous in the nerve scale. I didn't handle it that well. So I didn't do something to that though. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember how I felt in like under 14s before important matches. I don't, I don't know. Anything in college? Like in college? Yeah. How about when you, like say you won Waco 25, okay, that time. How are you in those matches? I felt at that time, towards the end of the tournament, I started feeling more nervous. Really? Yeah. Like, first couple of matches, nah, not really. Um, maybe not even, just the finals, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Um, just like finals break points, I was like, or like important or deuce points, like I felt more nervous than the rest of the tournament. But I felt that tournament, I was just playing, I was playing aggressive, playing well, I felt comfortable everywhere in my game. So how is? But Roy got hurt that match. Like what? At what point did he get hurt? End of the first. So you were nervous for a set. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What were you gonna say? I was curious, like. You were playing well this tournament, I know. Yeah. So, like, what's the difference between those nervous feelings then and, I don't know, whatever you feel now when you aren't feeling like you're playing that well, like, those kind of nerves. Are they, is it nerves? Is it fear? Is, like a, is it a different emotion than those emotions? Or I would say maybe just... Maybe the, the emotion that you channel the nervousness into, maybe, is different. Okay. 
Um, Could it also be maybe your mind is in a different place? Like maybe you're more ahead of yourself, or is it, or you're you're in a different you mind? My expectations again. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just curious. I feel like my mind was. I feel like I wasn't thinking about anything. I wasn't thinking about winning the tur- like trying to win the tournament. I just felt good. I just felt comfortable on the court. I felt aggressive. Um, maybe a little bit I f- into anger, but that's hard to channel all the time. And I don't f- feel like I felt like that throughout the whole week. Um, and I think I just remember feeling like I was hitting shots that I felt like weren't like I was being aggressive, but I didn't feel like I was going for that much, but I was getting a lot of res- like, it was really effective. I felt mm-hmm. like I would hit a ball and be like, oh, that's a good shot. But then the result was like, oh, that was a win. The guy fell over. Or, yeah, the guy was like. <laughs> <laughs> the guy. Bro- <laughs> yeah. But that's what I felt that week. I'm not sure why if it was, but I just, I remember feeling that. I remember feeling like hitting like a saw ball and be like, oh, that did a lot more damage than you thought I it thought would. it was going to do or stuff like that. So I don't know. That just gave me a lot of confidence, I think, that I was feeling like that. So I felt. Yeah, I felt solid. Was that, a, was that a similar feeling you had when you were doing well? Was that last year or the year before when you, like, sent me those two challenges, like, and you were, like, doing well in all the futures? Did you feel similarly then or no? Mm. You got it. Maybe. <laughs> Spit it out, Calm you got it. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh... I wouldn't, I mean, maybe at times, because I remember the, the Waco future, most of the matches were relatively easy. Mm-hmm. Like, the closest I'd Damn. match, <laughs> sorry. I uh, played that tournament. <laughs> <laughs> the closest match I had was, like, maybe, like, five and four. The rest were, like, two and two. You played that tournament, didn't you? Yeah, I think I lost to Chucha Kyung. Yeah, the rest of the match was, like, two and two, two and oh, like, I don't know, whatever, stuff like that. But... I feel like last year when I was doing well, I didn't have that many matches that were like super easy actually. Like I was playing a bunch of close sets, a bunch of three setters. I was winning a bunch of three setters. It felt like it didn't feel as consistently like dominant, I guess. But yeah, at times I feel like, oh, this is doing like a ton of damage. I can just rely not yeah i guess rely on this this is this will give me points every time like mm-hmm. um even if it wasn't everywhere in my game that's maybe probably why it was more close matches but it felt like if i needed it it was gonna be there mm-hmm. um you probably built up a lot of trust in that too like over time like because you did it so often yeah like, maybe after the first time you like okay, I can do it, and then you do it again and again, and then, then you start to build up this, like, trust that you can yeah recreate that situation, whatever that was for you. Yeah, obviously, yeah. I mean, I guess that's what match getting, like, match wins does to you, I guess. Um, so funny how fragile all of it is. It is very you know fragile. <laughs> it can <laughs> One match can throw it the other way yeah. if you let it. Um, but, yeah, I think similar, I mean, different. In a different way, but yeah, you feel like something's, yeah, I feel like something is very effective and it's working um, more often than not consistently. Mm. 
And I think that gives me a lot of confidence when I feel like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good answer, brother. Let's get back there, my, my guy. Yeah. Justin Roberts, how do you deal with jet lag? When you get there, it depends which way. Like, well, well for me, let's say I go to Europe. When do you land? You normally land like, like early. Like, at least whenever I've flown to Europe, it feels like late morning, early afternoon. I just try. <laughs> Jet lag is horrible, bro. I just try oh to God. stay awake as long as I possibly can. Maybe even past my normal bedtime. Like, I remember when I was in Holland last year, I arrived, yeah, like around midday, got a rental car, and I think I tried to walk around the city that I was staying in, and get some, get some dinner, and just be outside, try to be awake. And I think it was a bit after, like after midnight. And then, yeah, you, if you don't do that, if you fall asleep in the middle of the day or something, you, you're done. But you take melatonin? You take melatonin? Uh, I try not to. Like if, I, if I'm struggling to sleep, I'll take it. But I try to sleep without it. The first I fumbled the bag big time, bro. When I went to Hungary last year, I flew there, got in like in the maybe I got in at night, couldn't sleep for shit that night. Like could not sleep. Went to sleep at like four AM. Woke up the next morning, went to practice, stayed up all day. Night time came, couldn't sleep again. Couldn't fall asleep. I had to play the next day and I slept like four hours. Match but done. Exhausted. One thing I will say though, I'm good at sleeping. Like <laughs> I if we get on, if we get on a plane right now I promise you I'm sleeping. Like, no, me too, me too. Almost almost the whole flight I'm gonna sleep. Like, I'm very good at sleeping. I think actually to be fair, part of the issue was that I guess in Europe they they don't have like AC. Oh, that's one. If so, it's hot, it's tough. So it's like they had a huge window, like a huge door, like this. Open that window, dog. I open the window, but I'm right next to a train station. And if you open the window, it's like kind of bright outside. Open the window, put headphones in and listen to something as you like. And go sleep. Yeah. But then what do I do? Put some over my face too? Like, I, I end up putting a pillow over my face because it was kind of bright in there. Face the other way. Whatever you got to do. Struggle. I went to bed at 4 a.m. Struggle. Sleep All in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Coming back this way is Cold so floor. easy. Yeah. <laughs> I love coming back this way because then you wake up early every morning. You feel like, productive. Oh, let you me get start up, the you day get early. up at five. You start. <laughs> All these lazy people waking up at eight o'clock. I'm waking up at five thirty. Like, yeah. I am better. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't find it like that to be that bad. To be honest, like I, it's not the greatest thing in the world, but it's not that bad for me. I I saw that. I think it's Lewis Hamilton. Maybe the the day before he travels, he eats his meals at the time that he would nice for the place time. that he's going. <laughs> what does that mean? I'm doing all that, bro. <laughs> what do you mean? Just get he there. He travels way sleep, more bro. than us. He's probably like, I don't know. I don't know if he actually does that, but I feel like that's probably. I'm, I mean, good for him, but like, <laughs> I don't have issue with jet lag, and I and I don't oh, do that. Okay. Fair enough. I don't travel that way enough, like all the way over there. But I had a big issue with jet lag, so. When I went to China to last year, my my jet lag wasn't too bad. Bro, if you travel for so far, like your sleep is all messed up. Like, <laughs> imagine you're just being exhausted and sleep when you want to sleep. I just, yeah. Yeah, I've landed in like four or five o'clock. Went to bed fine that night. Easy. <laughs> and then after, 
Yeah. And sometimes the problem too can be like if it's in your head. Like you if, think about, if oh, you're I have worried, to sleep now. Yeah, sleep, yeah, sleep, yeah, sleep. yeah. I feel like if you're worried about being able to sleep or not, you're going to have a hard time sleeping. You know what I was thinking about actually in Hungary? Our building is like a tall building. We're on like, if there's like 20 floors, we're on like the fifth floor. But there's a tall building right there. It's hot in the room, so I'm sleeping in my boxers. The windows, huge windows open. You're staying alone? I'm staying alone. You gotta get naked though. For the first two nights. <laughs> <laughs> if you were hot, I've but what never I was thinking, slept naked before. But what, In I was life? Thinking, never. what I was thinking is Maybe if someone is across there looking down at me. That's the Like business. someone's outside. Yo, I can literally like throw a stone and hit the other building. Like it's that close. You like, just embrace it. That's the <laughs> business, dog. <though. laughs> Enjoy. Someone just watching me sleep all night. You think you're that interesting to watch? <laughs> sleep all night, dog. <laughs> oh my. Oh my. Evan, what do you think of pickleball? Pickleball? Yeah. Um, you had so many opinions before about pickleball. I mean, it's all right. <laughs> uh, You're the only one here that's ever played it. You've never played it, right? You ever played pickleball? I've played it a couple times. I think it's it's a nice social activity, I think. I saw people on Twitter talking about it, and someone was saying that the debate was if Tennis players translate to good pickleball players. And some people were saying yes, and some people were saying no. I would say in general, yes. Maybe like elite, elite. Someone who's never played a racket sport in their life? Oh, yes, for sure. Like 98% of the time, I would say, the tennis player is going to be better than the person who's never played a racket sport. What was the the argument for someone who hasn't played tennis? I don't know. I saw the argument. I saw pickleball, and I went like this. (laughs) <laughs> well, maybe they meant like know. sorry uh, like a top tennis player will be a topic of a player immediately they will be Jack Sock just beat like the world number one or something or world number I don't know top ten something but maybe that's Jack Sock maybe there are other good guys who went over that weren't the best of pickleball right away maybe they were very good but they weren't among the, the top top I don't know how many pickleball players are there I mean at this point there must be a lot right I have no clue though. Like, I don't, is taking over I don't keep up with it but it is the next big thing. I just think it's something fun you can do with your friends. I have that's no interest not, in it. That's not too physical. You can mess around. You can drink. You can drink. Not saying tennis. that I. I mean, yeah, but it's way harder. Bro. Tennis is so yeah, hard, but I would drink it. I took a day off yesterday. I was dying today on ham feeds. <laughs> um, it's, but as like a professional thing, like on TV and super serious. I don't know. I Maybe hope people are getting some serious money to switch from tennis to pickleball. Yeah, though. that is true. Pickleball, if you're watching, um, the email for us is down below. And if you're throwing some money our way, we need it. So <laughs> I'll come play part-time pickleball for some extra cash. You say you sold for some cash? <laughs> hey, me too. <laughs> <laughs> the next question was about serving volume. Brian was asking me about serving and volume. Um, what's my experience been like um, serving volume in singles? Well, Brian, I haven't played a singles match all year. Oh, can I tell you why, by the way? So, Wesley Chapel. I was deciding to not play singles because I had like an elbow and shoulder issue towards the end of last year. So in preseason, I was taking care of that. It got very good and zero pain. I started serving again. It came back. So I figured if I'm prioritizing doubles, I'm just going to play doubles, not singles this week. 
then I'll go to Egypt and play doubles with Evan. I'll play singles as well. So I pull out of Wesley Chapel. I use one. So in the pros, you have three late withdrawals in the futures. And then after that, you get fined. So I use my first late withdrawal, Wesley Chapel. Boom. That's number one. The second week, the week after Wesley Chapel, I forgot. I was still signed in Egypt. I'm obviously not going to Egypt that week. That's the second one. The third week is the week I'm supposed to go Evan, but I didn't sign for singles that week. I was supposed to just play doubles that week and play singles the following week. That trip got canceled. That's the third one. And then um, I signed for Spain and I was <laughs> not final going to Spain. So that's my fourth one. So I've used, I'm going to get fined $50 by the ITF for. True. Yeah, it's my fault. But uh, back to the certain volley question. So you're down eight fifty. Was have you seen that meme of the kid and, and then um, he goes, "Not for long. I make bad financial decisions." <laughs> yeah. That's, that's me. That is withdrawals. That's me. Uh, but the point is, is about the certain volumes. I haven't really been certain volumes. I haven't played that much singles. So, what well, has certain volume and doubles been for you? Do you ever stay back? I, How do you decide that? Can I talk? <laughs> so it actually pisses me off sometimes when I stay back because it depends. Like if I serve and stay back on purpose with the thought like, okay, I'm going to rail four hands, then okay, that's fine. But what I don't like is when I lose focus and I serve and I hit a good serve and I feel it be a good serve. And then you just don't go in. And I just don't go in. Or if I'm nervous and I guess because I'm thinking about other things, I hit a serve. Then I don't go in. And now I'm riding from the back. But I'm I'm comfortable with my forehand. No, so the like, worst thing in doubles. Sorry. Go on. Go on. Give me the point of talk. Yo. T. Go. You serve T and you stay in the ball. You know what I mean? Like you, you make the play month. and you just forget. You blank. And then it's like, oh my bad, dog. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah. But I, I was... I don't like when I... Don't serve and vo- don't serve and volley in doubles because of like lack of focus or nerves. Like if it's if I'm deciding to stay back because I don't know this person returns a certain way and I'm deciding okay I prefer to hit a forehand on this ball than a pick up a short volley or or whatever then that's fine. But if I hit and hope that pisses me off. So like there were points uh, in the tournament where and I don't even think I lose the points. But I just, I don't feel in control of the situation. I feel like I'm reacting and not being proactive. And I don't like that. So I've been serving a volley in doubles most of the time, unless I lose focus. Um, and I believe that's my best volley. Like, maybe now I have have a, have a lot of reps at the net. Like, with me already being at net and moving at the net and, like, hitting the angle volleys. And I'm better at it. But for a long time, my best volley was my, my first volley, like my pickups and that sort of stuff. And... That was one of the things I learned from Wesley Chapel because Josh and I were very proactive, like in the way we were serving. There was a lot of moving, like the the net guy was a lot of moving, a lot of eye formation and going different ways. Um, and I think sometimes it was too much, um, and we could have settled down. I could have trusted my first volley in some of these instances because I believe it was a thirty fifteen point me serving for the match, hit a bomb serve. The guy returned cross. Josh was poaching, but it was like a laser just this much over the net. And Josh like reacted and it was like a winner past him. Or maybe it was a little bit behind him. I don't know. But it was not easy. And 
when someone's teeing off on these kind of returns, like sometimes I can just use that pace and block a first volley back. And now he has to do that with two of us at the net, you know, and maybe he has to think, oh, I can block the first volley line if it's a first serve. Like sometimes you can trust your first volley and you don't have to be so proactive at the net in, in, in every situation. So that's one of the things that I learned. I, always, so. I also think hindsight, what did they also say? <laughs> <laughs> hindsight is twenty twenty because like you could have stayed back and he could have ripped the sick cross pass or yeah. you could have moved and he could have saw it and like shanked it or something um so you never i feel like you can say oh we should have done this a little more because you think that would have given us a better chance but yeah. you you never how's in a play really really know no yeah especially if it's i feel like if you're doing the less proactive way you know it, yeah. maybe if you stay and you'd be like oh we should have moved more maybe that would have been yeah. would help but if you're moving more and you say oh maybe we should move less yeah. never really know that's how that's gonna go i feel like but i don't know yeah i just i just believe that we were doing it because a little bit out of fear like the way josh and i were talking in those conversations were like if we go to his backhand he's gonna hit it cross really hard but if he hits it cross really hard angle then that becomes difficult but if he hits it really cross hard straight to me then maybe I have an easier volley on a first volley than Josh reacting, moving cross, trying to pick up a ball like this barely over the net. He doesn't really know. Like maybe I have a little bit more time to get in position to hit the first volley. Maybe if I hit it line at the the weaker guy or the the guy who's not gonna like laser balls at us, maybe we have a better chance. But you're right. High sign is twenty. High side is twenty twenty. Whatever that fra phrase is. But I just feel like I'm. That's the volley that I'm comfortable with and. I shouldn't be afraid to use it sometimes. I also don't feel like you guys lost the match there. Like, you had too much points. Like, the... I don't know. One of them, the guy hit an unbelievable, like... Yeah, so I, but that's not what you're talking about. Sorry. Uh, yeah. He had, like, a very, very good return. Maybe that was a match point. Maybe it was, like, a... Match point was return cross. He had, like, an inside-out backhand return. Who... There was two two very good returns that were hit. There was one that came onto your foot, and then you picked up beforehand. That was Deuce side. The Deuce okay. Side. So that wasn't a match point. That was like maybe six on a tie break, something like that, where he didn't do that the whole match. Like, that's like a little bit unlucky, I would say. And maybe even Josh could have moved there. I came maybe like a little bit over the center. It wasn't like Josh. a very wide. Sorry. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. some moments he could have moved, some moments he maybe could have not moved as much or... He could have just put away the volley at match point and you guys would have been shaking hands and maybe you won the tournament, you know? Like, you guys won in Egypt. How much were you moving there? But Egypt was a different story. Like, no offense to anyone from Egypt that was watching. The level, the level wasn't, wasn't as high as it was. It was, uh, was it? Not, not necessarily that the level overall was that high because <coughs> we were up a set and 5-2. Like, it was pretty one way for... And I feel like we could have been up more than a break in the first. So, um, yeah. But that is, it's a good sign that we were in good position. I think you were playing we were. well for the most part. I think the issue at the end was a bit more like yeah, the energy shifted. Like you guys look, looked in control and then the you, your your guys' body language changed. Like, yeah. You could tell the there momentum. Was a, there was a bit of a mental shift and then you guys, let's say, for lack of a better term, became smaller on the court and they kind of grew and you guys never really got that. It felt that way because it felt yeah. like when the match got tied at a set of piece, 
I fell behind now. Yeah. It's like and we're, the vol- at, we're yeah. at zero zero. It's first yeah, to ten points. Yeah, rationally. the volley's changed. Like in yeah. the in the match started, it was like moving and yeah. But at the end of the match there they were much more like yeah. hopey, and, you know. What and I mean? what Beggy sent us actually helped. Like he sent this graph of Zverev and uh, Medvedev. Medvedev. How close you were to winning the match. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's how I thought about it in Sunrise. So Sunrise was a similar situation where we won the first and we had chances to break in the second. We didn't. <coughs> we went to a tie break and it was starting to get heavy. And we went down. I double faulted at 2-all <coughs> to go down a mini break. And I think we are down 4-2, actually. Yeah. Me returning 4-2. And we're crossing and I was thinking, like, we're still six points away from winning this match. Like, they're way more than six points. They're, what, 10 plus three. 18. 18? No, they're up 4-2. So that's three. Up five. <coughs> they're up 4-2. They're up 4-2. So ah, they win 13. three points. Yeah, sorry, so they're sorry. 13 points away from winning this match. And we are six. Yeah, that makes sense. So I was like, just play confident. And I played an unreal point at 4-2. I came in, hit a backhand return came yeah, this in. match was different yeah so that's what i'm saying yeah. that, this is what i was thinking about i was thinking like instead of thinking of momentum like we're losing momentum whatever you think about the how finish close line, like how close i am to the finish line and then you're like okay one point at a time we're, like we're in control here boom 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 and yeah i just felt like different. yeah you guys became smaller for like it, when with josh's match it, it felt like it happened and it stayed that way for the rest yeah. of the match and then this match i felt like it happened for like five minutes and you guys flipped it. And I think that was the more important thing than you know what's also, moving and staying and all that. You know what's that. also important about this double stuff is like uh, how important a partner is. Like a partner that that you spend time with, that you understand each other. Because I think Dan and I played well together. But like there was a moment where Beggy was telling me, you know, I need to keep the match light also. So, for example, with Josh in that Wesley Chapel match, it was relatively light for a lot of the match, and it got really heavy, and then it got I got sticky, and it was not good. So I noticed in the tiebreak that it was getting a little bit heavy, like you said. And Beggy told me, for me, like one of the things I need to do is like talk more. Like whenever it gets heavy for me, I go quiet and I go flat. I just try and talk more. Like even if it's not about anything to do with the match. So Dan is Canadian from Montreal, speaks French, and there was a point in the tie break where the returners went line, hard line, and Dan, like, covered the alley really hard, like, played a good point. We won the point. Like, he stuck a volley. We won the point. And I was alternate to serve. And he came back to me and he said, like, I knew they were going to go line there because uh, I heard him say it. I was like, you speak Spanish? And he was like, yeah. And I'm not, in my mind, I'm noticing that I'm a little bit nervous. That the match is getting heavy, so I'm just going to say some shit, like, just talk about whatever in the few seconds that we have in between. So I was like, yo, so you speak three languages, you speak French too? He's like, yo, we can talk about that after. So he kind of just shut that down yeah, right away. Talk, yeah. And that made me laugh. So it worked. So I was like, all right, boom, like, we can go to the point now. And mm. yeah. But I was saying like, if that, that stuff is important, that kind of chemistry is important too. Because if he knew that the reason that I'm talking to him is because it's one of the things that I need to do to let go of, like Tension. get away from right here and you know, um, but yeah, that stuff is important in my opinion. So, Let's I have work. a question. Going back to the when you say doubles, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is my dog. <laughs> going back, yeah, yeah, going back. Um, when you say like you you get pissed when you get like reactive and you like forget to go to net. 
what happens if as soon as you do it, you you realize you do it and you go, oh, but I want to I want to rail four hands from the back. It's okay, it's fine. Will that yeah, change that the way you, you look at Wait, it? Wait, what do you mean? What do you mean? Like say like, say like you hit a serve, mm-hmm. you forget to come into net, and then you say, oh, you feel like you're not in control. Um, you're reactive, right? If, yeah. if you're looking to come into net, but what if right as soon as you feel like you're not in control, you'd be like, oh. You change the but, mindset. Yeah. That's, that's like, what you have to do. That's that, the fastest <laughs> switch in yeah. perspective I've ever it, seen. But it lasts one ball, I think. Because if you survive the first ball, this is what's happened to me. Like, I lose the concentration. I hit the serve. The first ball comes back. If I can get that first ball, like, low cross and, like, with decent speed where the person can't poach, then at least I can... I realize that I made a mistake and I can get set in the right position for the next ball. And then I can transition to like, okay, I'm here now and I'm doing this, you know? Because it's almost like I don't even realize that I put myself in this position. Because I'm not even, it's not like I hit the serve and I get back and split up, I'm ready. It's like I hit the serve and then I'm like a step inside the baseline. Just watching the match. Yeah, Yeah. that's what pisses me off. (laughs) You just spectated. And it happened once or twice in the match, maybe once in the last match. And I did it. Good half volley. Like... Got back in the point, hit a good forehand. We won the point, and I was pissed after. I was like, because I know that I could have easily went the other way. Like, it could have easily been, like, I hit a serve. I'm not ready. I put up a sitter. They put it away, you know? So it pisses me It pissed me off, and I was like, right away. I was like, all right, I need to focus and make sure that I'm playing this point with a, like, with a plan. Like, my serve is not, I'm not Isna. Like, the ball's going to come back, you know? So. Also, I have another question, not related. It just popped in my head. Do you ever? Do you, this is gonna sound bad? But do you ever accept that you're gonna lose? Like in my life? In in a point of the match, maybe towards the end of the match, you'd be like, "Oh, I'm gonna lose this. It's over." <laughs> uh, not really. I mean, you know, it's more likely that you're gonna lose than you're gonna win. But I never stopped trying to win points. Yeah, you're trying, but you're like, oh, just, <laughs> this is it. I think, I think there's like a there's a knowing that if it keeps going the way that it's going, unless this person has a big, like big fall, like a big drop in level or something, then it could result that way. Like I don't th- like sometimes example, that's the only hope that you have. But for example, like against against Henrik, I was set on four zero down in like twenty six minutes. Like I. I never thought at that point that I'm going to lose for sure. Because I, I feel like in tennis that it really is like one point can change it off. Because like if he gets insecure about something or I don't know, I hit a good shot and he freaks out or bad call from the ref, whatever, anything can set somebody off. So like I, I try to keep that hope alive. Like even... Because it's happened to me before. I've been down, like, the time I actually won the tournament, I was, like, quarters down a set and a break against yeah, Draper. I was down, saying, like, yeah. set and two breaks against, even in the final with Boyd, Calvin, I was down, like, set, and I want to say maybe 5-2 or 4-2. Like, I've seen it happen too many times where, like, it can change. So you just have to, like... You just, I don't know, you just, I keep telling myself, you ju- I just need one. And you just kind of, it happens. Like, it doesn't always happen, but sometimes it happens. Because you know? I feel like it's happened to me, and it's, that's when I've played my, like, clutchest. 
in like the big points. Or you accept I'm gonna lose today and <laughs> yeah. I don't care. Yeah, because like I I see that in that's you. That's your way. That's your way of like like taking away expectation. Like yeah, I guess whatever happens happens and you're gonna do but it. But there have been way. times like at the birch where we've played like practice matches sets whatever, and he's been pissed that day. The hat comes off and it's and there's, but there. there's like a dog. Evan goes super same when he does this. <laughs> he's angry. And there's like a dead look in his face. Like he, it's like. Evan's not here now. It's, he's not there and he's just swinging at everything. You serve 125 out wide, it's coming back 125 at your foot. Yeah. And he's sprinting and slapping balls. He doesn't care, but he's playing way better than he plays when he cares. So yeah. I think, I don't know how you can reliably get yeah, to that you state. Can't, I feel like it's tough to. Cause like you're talking about like tie breaks and doubles, and that made me think of like big tie breaks. And I just remember the NCAA final. I was like, oh, this is gone. We've lost this. Cause we are. Just to give context, maybe we can stitch the video in or something. Uh, me and Marty Redlicky, uh, we play for UCLA. Shout Red out, Le- shout out, shout out, my dog Marty. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to my bar. Uh, he's he's assistant. <laughs> He's assistant coach at Oklahoma State now. So, but um, we were playing the finals of the NCAA doubles against Ohio State, and we were playing indoors at Wake Forest. So, big serves. I mean, I think out of all the guys in the match, I probably had the slowest serve. So we're playing big serves indoors. Um, like first set, we won. We lost seven six. Had set points on Marty serve. Um, at like seven six in the breaker, maybe eight seven in the breaker, we lost both points on his serve and ended up losing the set. I was like, wow, like Marty serve me at net. That's our like best combo, you know. We lost that second set. We ended up winning in a breaker seven six, and then third set is a ten point breaker. We're up eight five. They're serving. They they play two good points. We're up eight seven. Marty serving again. Our best supposed to be our best combo. We lose both points. To go down nine eight championship point, this in the finals, um, and at that point I was like, oh, we've we've lost. This is it. Like who's returning at eight nine? Marty's returning. Um, indoors, Martin Joyce was serving. I think he had a big Not serve. Not Marty. Uh, another Uh-oh. Marty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and once we lost that eight all point, I had let, I had a volley here in the middle of the court. I let it go, and it landed like. A foot. <laughs> a foot inside the court i was like wow that's how we lost it huh <laughs> in my head that's what i was thinking i was like that's crazy i let that go that's how we lost it it's <laughs> insane um after being up eight five for a u.s open wild card i was like this this is way too good wow way too good how did i how did i let that one go um and then we <laughs> championship point to save it we ended up playing a crazy point um they should have won the point but we ended up winning it somehow played another crazy point at nine all and then we finished it off 11 9 with you servant with me crazy serving. yeah the weakest, the weakest combo <laughs> yeah the weakest combo no but uh but yeah literally at nine eight i thought we've lost this that's how we've lost this that's crazy uh but then we ended up winning so i don't know <laughs> Bro, I feel like at some point last year, I came to like a realization, like maybe end of the summer. I think I was in Holland with, I was with Andrea, Andrea Bola there in Holland. And we were talking about expectations and stuff. 
and I was saying like, I feel like I think I saw maybe a Kobe clip or something, but I feel like it's almost irrelevant. Like, what you think's gonna happen, it's probably not gonna happen. Like, at least not the way you think it's gonna happen. So like, it's almost irrelevant to like foreshadow or like not plan. Like, you have to have some sort of maybe preparation for the event you're gonna take part in, and you know you want to win, but like the the predictive part of what we do, I feel like that's the anxiety of tennis is always you thinking about the next match and what's going to happen and all this. And like, I feel like it's actually irrelevant because there have been so many times I thought I was going to win that I've lost. Times where I felt like probably I should lose that I've won. Like I feel like, I don't know, you can only really prepare as best you can and give your best effort and kind of what's going to happen is going to happen. Like it's... It's not in your control. Like, I don't think... Yeah, we do so much predicting in our own heads that it's, like, a waste of energy, <laughs> I feel like. True. Facts. What's that? And it's time to go to bed, dog. One more, one more, one more, one more, one more. <laughs> this is long, sorry. Um, pause. pause. Yeah, that's crazy. Kyle was <laughs> asking about the tennis balls. What about them? I'm yet to see... He said he's seen a lot of people discussing on, on social media uh-huh. about, like, complaining about the balls. Yeah. And he said, I'm yet to see a pro player say which ball they want to use. So you wonder which balls do players want to use and what's the general consensus? Like, I gave him my opinion. Like, I think my favorite ball is the U.S. Open, the Wilson U.S. Open. But I think that I'm not that good with, like, noticing the different ball speeds and court speeds and that sort of stuff. I just know which feels the best off the strings. And to me, that's the US I Open I think ball. it's so tough because different parts of the world use different balls. So every pro you talk to, not every pro, but probably it's going to be like more of a regional or country thing even. Because yeah. like, I know in Europe, like the tennis federations usually have deals with a certain brand. So like you go play Future in Germany, you're going to play with Wilson balls, probably. And then if you go play a future in Holland, what do we play with? I want to say we played with a Dunlop Fort Max ball, which is I like. That, that's probably my favorite ball. Um, but if you play in the States, you're probably going to play futures on a Wilson US Open ball. So I feel like there's no one answer for what balls people want to play with. But I think the issue is that the ATP or the ITF, they should standardize a ball for each surface. Because what I've heard people talking about is like if you play basketball, you play with a basketball and it's not a different size, weight, and all this wherever you go, even if the and the court probably should be the same too. So like courts and balls should be yeah. I guess easier to regulate than they are. We've talked about it before, like how different everything is. Like even from day to day, yeah. how different it could be. Mm. On, in an outdoor tournament but, or maybe that's just the beauty of tennis that it is different all the time and yeah. you have to just but there deal is, with that there is a scale though like if with the increasing number of matches that people play every year like you're gonna there's more wear and tear on the body like I know there's increase in like uh, recovery and science and all this shit too but like you travel so much and play so much in so much different conditions that it's not easy and there's I mean there's been more and more like wrist and shoulder and elbow injuries. Yeah, so. it's just the yeah, the fact that you have to change balls so often, like week to week, that gives people a lot of. It happened yeah. to me last year. Like, 
I played. What did I play? I played two weeks in Dominican, and they played with like the Wilson Championship ball, which is probably even lighter than the U.S. Open ball. And then we came back to Florida, and I was training with the Dunlop ATP ball, which is like once once the it after two games, once it gets out of its new form, it fluffs up and it's a heavy ball, and yeah, it hurt my wrist. I guess I got used to playing with a certain ball, yeah. and then the impact you put it on it just goes way up because the ball is twice the size and weight. So it's you know like, what this reminds yeah. me of? I played Irving Challenge in 2018, and at the time I had like one or two points, and I was just living like half an hour away from the tournament. And it was a big challenge. It's like a 125 plus H at the Four Seasons in in Irving, Texas. Um, I played last round qualies. I lost. But I got lucky loser, and I played Mirza Basic, and he was like 75 in the world at the time, something like that. He just beat Stan in a 250 to win a 250 like a month before or something. So like, good player. So he's he, ah. yeah. So <laughs> so I play him right. I get destroyed, and then we go to shake hands at the end of the match. And I remember thinking like, this tournament is freaking insane. Like. I played qualies on center court with like VIP sections. And Holy like, smokes, dude. There's <laughs> <laughs> like mic people, like stands, people come out, like signing autographs. I lost that match. Then I played Mirza Basic, play him. And I'm thinking like they give us a bunch of balls, ball change, get a bunch of new balls all the time. Like, So I played the match, lose, and I'm shaking hands with him. And he's like complaining. He's like, man, how bad is this to me? like man how bad is this court like it's it's like this it's slanting like i can't believe they play at this tournament i'm like give me like I, I think i said something smart like um i don't remember what i said but i remember thinking like bro you have no fucking idea like the kind yeah, of he hasn't seen if you just, just in, in <laughs> yeah. years when's no, the last time you took a trip you to can't remember what it's like to play in, yeah. in the middle of cancun and the desert i literally the, was the thinking like this place is unbelievable and he was complaining because the court wasn't like perfectly flat so yeah. Which is valid. Like, it's a valid thing. It's like, the court is like this. But to me, I it's think so normal. Everything is just relative. Like, if you get used to playing yeah. ATPs and whatever, you go to a challenge and you feel like, yeah. what is this? Like, if we yeah. go to a Futures and we see the court a little bit like this, that's we're, we're going to be that's, like... That's par for the course. Right? We're going to be like, oh, the course is a little bit, it's a little bit slanted, you know, and maybe we that's complain what it is. for that's, half that's, a that's second, what it is, but it's what it is, and yeah. I will use it. <laughs> you know, now I'm slicing out wide downhill, yeah. you know, and I'm kicking uphill or something. Like, yeah. I'm using the court to my advantage that way, but in that match, not that he needed to use it to his advantage, I got destroyed, but like, he was complaining to me, and I was like, bro, I, I'm just happy to be here, my man. Getting chopped in the man, the whole time he's playing the match, thinking about this court. Complaining. So bad. Complaining. <laughs> and I think that match was actually on YouTube. Uh, the highlights were on YouTube after. I don't know if it's still there. I think it's deleted by now. Pull it up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe it's gone because I think I've searched it. I, I can search again and see if it's there, but I think it's gone. Jerry but, just searches it like every other day. <laughs> Johnny yeah. McGinley message. Actually, I may have. That camera I may... is out, it's kaput over. How long has that been at that? I just noticed it. It could have been a while, but I just noticed it. Should we say goodnight? Well, people, yep. we just lost the camera, so I guess that is the end of the episode. We've been, talk we've been talking for too long. Um, How long has it been? 85 minutes, 80-something minutes. 
Yeah, Owen 15, Owen 20. Yeah. We talked yeah. a little bit before. But all right, thank you for watching, everybody. Uh, long episode tonight. Sorry, it was supposed to be a shorter one. Um, what? Sasha Gozun, my old teammate, uh-huh. said one of the topics that some people are talking about is players turning pro and then coming back to college. Do you want to Some save players that one? have to give up thousands of dollars. We can save the one for the next one because we already lost the camera and we're not even in the camera. Either, so. All right, everybody. Thank you for watching. Um, thanks for supporting again. Uh, see you next week.